from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Carly. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The The Cooler. This week, we're talking about the most banned wedding songs. Which jams make couples say, no, 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 no. Oh, hey. And which ones make them say, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I like that Britney Destiny's Child mix Yes, Mm -hmm. thank you for noticing. And also, Maya Angelou descends from the heavens to remind us all to put some respect on her name. Mm -hmm. We're also going to be talking about the power of medical care and the power of eggs. Oh. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I'm intrigued. I enjoyed that. (laughs) I don't know if you've looked at a calendar recently, but spring has officially sprung. It is. The grass is riz. Mm-hmm. The flowers are blooming. What, you've never heard that? Spring is sprung, the grass is riz. No. I wonder where the birdies is. No. no. The bird is on the wing, but that's absurd. I always thought the wing was on the bird. Oh, girl, it's some British stuff. <laughs> we don't know. Carly is spitting British rhymes over here. <laughs> that's as close as I will ever get to spitting. <laughs> wow. Spring means all of the things you just said. Yes. Mm-hmm. It also means we're going to be able to show off our cute booty shorts and our mm, toned yes. Michelle Obama arms very soon. Yeah, we'll speak for Fresh yourself. Pedicures. I already have been doing. Thank you very much. <laughs> But something else that spring means is Hmm. that wedding season is upon us. Oh, that's right. I have two in the books in the coming months. Do you guys have? I I got two coming up. Yeah. Oh, I actually don't this year. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to come to one of mine? Yes, let's go. Cool. Plus one. So the main event at a wedding is the moment two people commit the rest of their lives to each other. That's pretty short. (laughs) That's great. But for me, the best part is what happens on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, yes. Music can make or break a wedding reception. We know this. I mean, what we remember of a wedding is like, I dance my little butt mm-hmm. off. Little hiney. Yeah. My tush. Or if you didn't dance your butt off, you're like, that wedding was okay. I still love them, but a little less. Mm. You are right. There is a direct correlation with how much did I dance and how much fun did I have. Exactly. Well, Flats, I should ladies. take my gift back. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> So something I never really thought about is the fact that before we are there for the reception, the couple has to meet with a wedding DJ to figure out like what the vibe is, Mm -hmm. like what they're into, which also includes what they're not into. Mm. 538, which is a website that usually focuses on analyzing data about politics and like specifically Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Yeah, it's like she's going to win. Wait, wait, she didn't. Our our bad. (laughs) Oh, I lent on the calculator. So they do that. But now they're doing more cultural things, maybe because of the bad calls. Maybe because. And they compiled a list of the most commonly prohibited wedding songs. Oh, do tell. What do you guys think is the number one song? Oh, okay. I'm going to say Footloose, but I realize I'm only saying that because Kevin Bacon doesn't like it. I read a story where he was like, I go to weddings and then the DJ will see me and I'll be like, hey, you know, it'll be funny. I'll play Footloose. And then Kevin Bacon's like, ugh. But I realize that's not everyone who doesn't like Footloose. Mm. I think anything that is a reminder of like an ex. Does the chicken dance or the cha-cha slide remind you of your ex? No. <laughs> so people don't like line dancing at uh, at weddings? Side to the right. The top eight spots on this list are dance instructional, like, kitschy bops. And those are the don'ts? Those are banned. Okay, these are white people. Because they're black, <laughs> black weddings. You called it. You called it. <laughs> so, like, chicken dance, not going to happen. Cha-cha slide, they say no. Macarena, mm-mm. YMCA, keep it. Hokey pokey, what? 
Oh, who's playing the hokey pokey? I don't That's really a... get that one. So, Jamidra, are you officially filing this under some white people this bullshit? Is, this is some white people shit, officially. <laughs> well, maybe this next one's for you, which is also on the ban list. We think of the dance tutorial genre as mm-hmm. being something of the past and something maybe we're not that nostalgic for. Like, the only thing we're not nostalgic I for. Used to, I, Wigfield Saturday Night was still the bob. Not according to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, this little ditty from 2007 made the ban list, and it is by a black gentleman. Okay, I've heard that at a wedding, and yeah. I have gotten down to that song. I was going to say that's the band list. I haven't heard it, and I would get down to that. See, song. okay, I'm gonna invite you to all the black weddings next yeah. time. I don't have any this summer, but next summer, yes. that is number four on the list. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems like a bad omen to ban an artist called Cupid at a love-based event. <laughs> yeah, it's just not like Cupid is not welcome here. I mean, could you get any more inappropriate? Okay. I'm going to play a polarizing song, hmm. and I want you to take it in and then share your feelings. I'm not going to share mine because I don't want to sway you. Let's hear it. Okay, so this song, along with that Justin Timberlake Trolls song, oh, those feeling. songs are only allowed at weddings if children are there. Oh, because children dance to that song. They'll bop to it. They'll get up. See, when you're doing the playlist, you got to have a little something for like the elders, something they can dance to, something for like the young cousins who don't want to be there anyway. That's when Drake mm. comes on. And then something for the tiny kids so they can go out and bop the songs that they know the words to. Pick something from Frozen. I don't like this one. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say I would rather contract scurvy Oof. than listen to that song <laughs> at a wedding or not. It's awful. Well, I agree with you. It is number nine on the list. And I thought that number was an interesting placement Hmm. because as a fan of Dante, I know the circles of hell. (laughs) And the ninth circle of hell is the like deepest, darkest one where Satan resides. Mm. It's for the treacherous. And this song belongs there. Move over Judas Iscariot. Make room for Pharrell's happy because that's where it belongs. Well, now we know why Pharrell doesn't age. He's he's friends with Dante. He's got those. Yeah, good power. Is uh-huh. uh, the role of Satan being played by Robin Thicke? <laughs> yes. Speaking of Robin Oh, gosh. No. I knew that was going to show up at some point. Blurred Lines is number 13 mm. on the list. Jeez. Well, great. Play a song about date rape at a wedding. Exactly. Date rape. Excuse me. Date rape and cocaine huh. at a wedding. Get it right. What do you if- think the Blurred Lines were? You would think that the placement is about how date rapey the song is, but I feel like it's just because it was everywhere in 2013 and people are sick of it. Because a lot of these other songs on here are Gangnam Style, Single Ladies, Hot and Her, Hotline Play. Well, well, hang on. Hot and Her? Okay. Right? Wait a minute. Hot, uh, hot and Her is one. That's, excuse me. Again, <laughs> no black people. Hot I'm going to back you up here, Jamie. I think that's astounding they would include Hot and Her is a great, well, you know why it is? It's right along. So Hot and Her is right along up there with no diggity. It's mm-hmm. like it spans. Well, they probably friggin' banned that too. Everybody knows the song. Everybody's gonna want to dance to it. And then what was the other one you said? It was hot in here, and because I was a hotline blank. No, single ladies. Single ladies is for the bridesmaids. That's when they get out there after somebody catches the bouquet, and everybody flashes their blank hand, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Listen, if you want it, come and get it." Oh wow. Okay. On the topic of white people and black people, <laughs> another, go on. <laughs> another song on here is "Shout Throw My Hands Up" and. 
Oh. And I feel like the only reason it's on this list is because white people can't be trusted to clap on bees. <laughs> like, they're just like, no, don't play that one because everyone's going to embarrass themselves. No, no I, lies you know what? I need the data. I need the details behind this. Who I, did they collect this from? Because we, I, I, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter or tweet. I don't agree. I can tell. <laughs> we should just send them this episode and you will be heard. I mean, if Country Roads Take Me Home is one of the unbanned songs, then I think we have the writings on the wall, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White people wrote this list. On the topic of blurred lines and like problematic songs, Mm. it's also interesting to think of in the wake of Me Too, how this negotiation between the wedding DJ and the couple is going to change. Because if you're a wedding DJ, do you play Ignition by R. Kelly if it's requested from the couple, even if it goes against your personal belief system? Or on the flip side, what if your wedding DJ is problematic and they're like, here's another Chris Brown classic. What if your wedding DJ is R. Kelly? Ooh. What do you do? He needs the money, apparently. He does. I was going to say, what if he's performing at the wedding? Don't give it to him. (laughs) Yeah. So we've talked about this a lot on the show. Everyone has their own code on how they do or don't separate the art from the artist. So it'll be interesting to see as more comes out about Mm. certain figures if this band list changes a little bit Mm. to reflect that or if it's just going to still be the chicken dance, etc. I think a wedding is the perfect place to host that kind of literary salon style conversation about separating the art and the artist (laughs) Mm -hmm. in front of all the guests. Your family members. Chaired by the bride. (laughs) You could determine who you want to exit out of the family. Exactly. (laughs) Why are you guys leaving? (laughs) (laughs) Which Auntie, are you going to mute? Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play a little game. I'm oh. going to give you the list of the band songs, and you get to save one song. Ooh. I get to look at the list. Let me see. <clears throat> just, you know, just proving that it is a it's list real. on mm-hmm. paper. Hmm. Okay, so which one am I saving yes. from Dante? Okay, who is playing Cotton Eye Joe at the wedding, <laughs> number one? Save a horse ride, a cowboy? Oh, Jamidra, I think we know. Okay, so Don't Stop Believing, that is a song that you can see. This is what drunk people sing. Don't Stop <laughs> Believing is the perfect drunk song. I don't understand this list Whoa. at all. Are you going to save it? Mm. Who am I going to give my lifeline to? Jesus. Okay, single ladies, done. Okay, done. Mm. Saved. I'm going to take, yeah, Total Eclipse of the Heart. I mean, it's inappropriate for a wedding, <laughs> but it should never be on a band list. That's outrageous. Carly, you and I are on the same wavelength because Thank that you. was the one out of however many, I think it's like 34, that I was like, absolutely not. We uh-huh. are not banning this. It actually felt a little homophobic. Oh, you didn't want to save Taylor? <laughs> no, she can go. Shake it off. <laughs> you shaked her, you shook her off. You just. For Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's, I don't even know that song. What is that? Okay, let's hear some of it. A wedding is the perfect venue for mm-hmm. an overly boozed up interpretive yeah. dance to that between me mm-hmm. and Carly. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to deprive the world of that? I don't understand. That's perfect. Like, can you not handle artistry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a problem with Wanda? Well, you know why? These are probably banned now that I'm thinking about it. Not all of them. I mean, I do think it's racist. But there are some (laughs) other. (laughs) I think songs like that are probably banned because they encourage the drunk relatives to like really get performative and things can go left real quick with the wrong relatives. I mean, I would also say that it might encourage the drunk relatives to get racist because I see <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner and if there's Again. any song that brings out the worst white people, Not we know in my it's wedding. that one. <laughs> Not in my wedding. <laughs> Yikes. Why isn't that awful Rock Lobster song on here? Uh, well, yeah, I believe the B-52s yeah. are there, but it's Love Shack. Yeah, yeah it no. is Love Shack. Sorry. Yeah, Love Shack's shite. 
that's reverse racism. <laughs> hey. I will tell you why. The first time I heard that song, it was at a bar. And I was like, what is happening? People are on the floor right now. They're jumping up. They're yelling. They're shouting. I'm afraid. They're making sounds as if they're a lobster. Yes, I don't it's understand weird. what's happening. Okay, so imagine a world where you dump your husband. And Damn. you Sorry, G. <laughs> and you get married to someone else and you have another ceremony. Uh-huh. What would you definitely ban from your next wedding? Oh, well, G and I have decided we're getting married again in our 10-year anniversary. So I'm just going to remarry him. Okay? Okay. That works. So in my hypothetical wedding to someone else other than my husband. Uh-huh. Gosh. Well, I don't know their tastes. I don't know who they are. Can you tell oh, me who they are? That's a good point. Okay. He is hot. Mm-kay. He's 25. Is he The Rock? He, he's not. Okay. He's like a like... little bit younger than you, so like your your influences are going to be a little different. Wonderful. But like you wear the pants in the relationship, so whatever you want to ban goes. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think if the Macarena came on at my wedding, I would just lose all sexual desire. So mm. you agree with the list? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I changed my mind. I want a new husband too. Do me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's think. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, yes. Only because that's who popped into my mind. I'll take that. I was hoping that's who Emmanuel would say. No, it's not going to be him. <laughs> it's going to be David Gergen, the political analyst. Oh, hey. okay. You so I do. And I think that he could, I could teach him how to electric slide. So we're keeping that. Definitely. I'm getting real Marilyn Monroe, Arthur Miller vibes from the two of you. Hey, come through. Seriously. Uh, I don't have a song in particular, but I will say almost any song by Bruno Mars. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Mm. Sorry, Bruno. I, I like your collaborations with Cardi, though. Mm, okay. Yeah, but you, you know who's pulling the weight in that relationship. Mm, it's yeah. not Bruno. Beyond. So in the pretend world where I care about the institution of marriage, uh-huh. I would ban a whole genre of music. Oh, gosh. I am allergic to common denominator songs. Anything that can be played at a political rally for Hillary Clinton or something. Anything that... So basically, I believe I can fly if we didn't hate R. Kelly, but songs like that. You're not going to start hating on Bruce Springsteen, are you? Any song that empowers people or makes them feel good, that makes me sound very curmudge as fudge, but (laughs) I cannot (laughs) handle it. But you know what? Because that day is about you. It's not about all of us together. It is about you. Like fight song? No. Mm. Don't empower me. Roar? Leave me alone. (laughs) Can't stop the feeling? Absolutely not. Anything by Pink? I refuse. Mm. I don't want it. If it seems like it would be at home on the Trolls 2 soundtrack, Mm. do not play it at my wedding. So, in short, love is a battlefield. (laughs) So are wedding playlists. Shout out to all the wedding DJs whose work is very difficult. You have Mm -hmm. to please a lot of people. So we salute you as long as you don't play the Ignition remix. No. Hello. So what were you doing last week? Minding my business. Mm. Were you minding your business on Twitter? Always. Okay. Then you may have noticed that Maya Angelou happened to be trending. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm always very concerned that someone's dead. Right? Well, she's already gone, so. <laughs> you should be very concerned. <laughs> very true. Well, she was trending, and I thought to myself, naively, since she's already gone, like Carly said, <laughs> they're chiseling her face under Mount Rushmore because mm-hmm. she deserves. She does. She does. But actually not. Sadly, she was trending because a few people thought it right to drag her for a 30-year-old video that was resurfaced last week. And it was of Maya Angelou sharing some choice words with this teenager who decided to refer to her by her first name. Kim, you had a question. Yeah, I wanted to ask Maya her views on interracial relationships. Oh, thank you. And first, I'm Miss Angelou. Miss Angelou. Yes, ma'am. I'm not Maya. I'm 62 years old. (laughs) 
I have lived so long and tried so hard that a young woman like you or any other has no, you have no license to come up to me and call me by my first name. That's first. That's first. Also because at the same time I am your mother, I'm your auntie, I'm your teacher, I'm your professor. You see? You see? I do see. Okay. I, my and I think that girl saw. So <laughs> this video was shared or resurfaced on Twitter by at Mr. Girth of a Nation. I mean, oh, wow. wow. Um, Astonishing Twitter handle. <laughs> exactly. And immediately there were mixed reactions. Some people were like, yes, Maya absolutely did the right thing. And then other people were just like appalled. Like a user by the name of Nature Fairy KNJ said, rude. Tired old people feeling superior for no reason. She knew it was wrong, so she apologized at the end of the show. She did, she did. And she's referring to the fact that later on in the show, Maya said this. Let me say to Kim, I apologize. I'm not usually so short. It just caught me off guard. I saw you about 14. I thought, ooh. Well, but I apologize. Okay, so she may have been short, but was she wrong is the question. What's wrong about setting boundaries for people? That's what I took away from it. And not to take wisdom from the fortune cookie of our time, which is Instagram stories. <laughs> Indeed. But someone shared one of those like quote things. It's very Khloe Kardashian thing to do of like, oh, I found this wise thing that someone said. It said that the only people who are upset about you setting a boundary are the people who benefit from you not having that boundary. There. Come through. That is a sage observation. It's so true. I just feel like she was teaching. Mm -hmm. She said she's a professor. I'm your professor. I'm teaching you to put respect not only on my name, but my work, Mm -hmm. the legacy I've created for you, the road I've paved for you. If a man had said the exact same thing that she said, would we be 30 years later clutching our pearls about it? Like, uh-huh. she was kind of direct. I believe I And we're really far removed from the historical context as well of the time that, like, Maya Angelou, as a black woman of that generation, was incredibly used to people absolutely disrespecting mm-hmm. her name and not giving her credence and not addressing her as Ms. or however she would like to be addressed. Yeah. It's slightly complicated by the fact that the target of her, like, little Barb is this 14-year-old girl. A lot of the criticism that I read has come because people are looking at it and being critical about the fact that there are layers of race involved here. Mm -hmm. And so the one biggest takeaway that I saw from people was not just that she corrected this young girl, but that she, like, corrected this young girl in front of, like, a majority white audience. And so they felt like she embarrassed her Mm -hmm. and that that was something that, like, aunties and grandmas and elders do in, in the community, but they're not supposed to, like, do that out in public. Which I don't really agree with. I feel like if you need schooling, you need schooling. And I don't right. care whose eyeballs are watching. We're better, but at the <laughs> national stage of television. But the talk show, we're going to talk about how you don't call me by my first name on yes. the show. Also on the topic of all of the history that's wrapped up in what we call each other, I was listening to an episode of Code Switch a while back. Mm-hmm. And they had an episode about a civil rights activist by the name of Mary Hamilton. She was... In 1963, arrested for nonviolent protests. And when she went to court, the judge is calling her by her first name. The prosecutor is calling her by her first name. Mm. And she says, I won't respond until you call me Miss Hamilton. Hello. Because at the time, a lot of white people refused to give the term Miss or Mrs. Mm -hmm. or Mr. to black people because they saw black people as beneath them. Mm -hmm. And so she was making a point. She was thrown in jail for it, contempt of court. She ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court. And won her case. And now it changed the way anyone is addressed in court 
to this day. That's the ultimate story of put some respect on my Right? For real. So what you call someone might seem like a little thing, but there are a lot of power dynamics and other cultural stuff baked into that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not only a preference. It's about respect. It's about equality. So when we see this moment with Maya, it's not just like, oh, she's being, you know, She's being difficult. cranky. <laughs> it's like, no, this is really deep stuff. And 1963 was not that long ago, especially 30 years ago for someone like Maya Angelou. So, Who's lived through a lot. Yes. Mm, yeah. So all the people who are upset about that online, like, there are so many things to be outraged about <laughs> in this world. And you're outraged about that? Listen. And may I also say, a lot of people didn't find it appropriate to drag Michael Jackson because he was dead. Oh, but for this moment. molesting children, allegedly. Mm. But for a black woman to be as out of line as to be this direct, we can drag her, but she's dead. Like, the sexist double standard jumped out. Listen. How dare she assess Listen, herself. and people did come to Maya's defense. There are several people on Twitter who came through. At Ira said, Maya Angelou is dead. She is literally the definition of unbothered. Can y'all <laughs> stop trying to drag a new dead person every week when you're bored? It is so important. I know it's an extreme example, but let us not forget that Mr. T changed his name <laughs> to Mr. T so that white people would have to address him as Mr. What? That is a true fact. He was not born Mr. T. (laughs) Well, speaking of Mr. and Mrs., were you guys made to call the adults in your lives Mr. and Mrs. as kids? Like, how did you address them? I wasn't forced to, but I always felt deeply uncomfortable referring to them by their first names. Mm. And there's that strange thing as well where you see a teacher when you're very far removed by time from Mm -hmm. being at school and they encourage you to call them by their first name and you kind of go... (laughs) I don't feel comfortable with that. This is uncomfortable for me. Well, I grew up in an immigrant community, Mm -hmm. and my mom always taught me to address anyone who was a close family friend who was older than me as aunt or uncle. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And at the time, I was like, I kind of was confused. I was like, (laughs) I'm related to so many people. It's crazy. But looking back at it, it was a way of ingraining in us the idea that you should never speak to someone who's older than you in a way that is not befitting a close relative. Mm -hmm. Pretend as if they are your mom's sister or your mom's brother because that will allow a certain level of respect to come out. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken that on into my adult life. Elders are out here getting my respect. (laughs) I recall being afraid of adults or fearful in a way that I felt I had to show extreme deference in a way that I feel that kids today, and I can't believe I just used the phrase kids today, are not. Like the idea that was that you would give up your seat on a bus mm-hmm. for someone who's older. And now I see adults, grown people standing up to offer their seat to kids. Like that's a real reversal. Where do you see that? Where do they do that at? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. So I will tell you, Emmanuel, what you just said about the aunts and the uncles and offering respect to elders. I can sum that up with like one little sort of like bloop phrase in my community. Don't talk to me like I'm one of your little friends. That is what every like black mom will tell her child at some point about elders. Like, I'm not your little friends. Mm -hmm. You don't talk to me like that. And so the mister or the missus or the auntie or the uncle is like a reminder of like, you put that in front of my name, some respect on it. Mm -hmm. So that it's a preface so you can remember not one of your little friends. And throw a little Esquire at the end of it as well. Just because. Respect me. Uh, Well, speaking of us and how we refer to adults now the roles have reversed a little bit. And I wouldn't I wouldn't call us elders. We're getting there. But I would definitely say that we are older than the youths. So do you guys have like expectations of how the, the youths are supposed to address you? They must call me HBIC. <laughs> Head biatch in charge. 
that would be nice. Here's a little anecdote. I went to my boyfriend's school. He's mm-hmm. a teacher. And I was wearing a backpack that I think is fly. And a five-year-old <laughs> was wearing the same backpack. So I can't expect that five-year-old to look at me in the way I dress and comport myself and think, sir. So it's all good. As long as you don't call me Manny, that is reserved for my great aunt who clipped my nails when I was mm-hmm. younger. Unless you put in the time for that, you can't mm-hmm. call me Manny. Sorry. I'm always taken aback when I feel that slight thrill when a young child is very, very polite to me. I don't know. I kind of like it. But then I always question, why do I like it? Should I not be more admiring of a little kid, especially a little girl, who's like (laughs) bold and plucky and a Mm -hmm. bit sassy in a way that I absolutely was not? I was super timid in a way that I don't think I had to be. But have you ever been in a situation like Abby was in this episode of Broad City? Ma'am, where can I find that shirt? Okay, you can call me Miss. The ma'am. Wow. The ma'am. It's, it's like, I'm not a granny who has Werther Originals in my purse for you. I think the first time. yourself. I always carry snacks. I think the first time I ever heard the ma'am, I think I was like at the grocery store and a little like happy face, pimple face teenager was like, ma'am, do you want me? And I was like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Are you talking to the senior lady behind me? You were like, I am your professor, but I'm not that old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, man? Is it different for men? Or is it like when you get a sir, you're like, oh, yes, I've arrived. Sir is like oh, I'm dressed fancy today or something. Mm. Are you sure it's not like, sir, sir, could you please leave? (laughs) Could you please stop peeing in the street? That's not what we do here. Sir, you're causing a scene. When a straight man calls me brother or bro. Oh. I'm leaning into it because I'm not really used to getting that familial, friendly attention from straight men. That's what Sheryl Sandberg meant all along. Yeah. leaning in. (laughs) You're doing it, man. Also, I get called ma'am on the phone sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm fine with it because, as we all know, gender is a construct. And also, we all know women are superior to men. Indeed. Adam was a rough draft. We know this. So call me ma'am all you want. V1. V1. That was him. Well, as we've learned today, what we call one another, below the age of 10, I need to be a ma'am or a missus or a something. If you're in your 20s, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Uh -uh. Duh. So the next time you... Think about approaching an elder and think about how you're going to refer to them. You ask yourself, would my Angelou give you shade about this? That's a heavy question. Even just the thought. Emma likes Maya's name very, very much. Thank you, Emma. I like it. It's the big and the pick. Hey, the big and the pick. Hey. Folks, you've heard the song, so you know what time it is. It's time to cast a little look at the week, what sucked and what sucked slightly less. Mm. Pretty much. That's a great way to phrase it. Right? So there's one thing that I read about that really, really angered and upset me. And I want to share it with you guys. Have you heard this song before? Okay, judging by the dancing in the studio, uh-huh. I'm guessing you have. Yes. yes. That was the 1962 song Miser Lou by Dick Dale and his Deltones. This song, which you may recognize from the opening credits of Pulp Fiction, yes. most people do, our age. It's kind of iconic. And this guy, Dick Dale, who really popularized surf guitar in a lot of ways as we know it, died this week at the age of 81, right? Mm. So that's sad for people who know him and people who love his music. But I'm going to tell you why this particularly sucks that this guy has died. He had 
rectal cancer and diabetes. That is not a very good thing for anyone to have, let alone an eminent musician who kept touring. This guy, Dick Dale, basically almost died on stage. He was performing right up into it. And you know why? Because he couldn't afford to retire. Stop. Don't tell me that. It is outrageous. So amid all of the obituaries, all of the kind of eulogies for this guy who, like, if you like your music history, he's a big figure in it. They all contained this one anger-making detail, which is that he had to keep working himself literally into his grave because he needed to pay for his medical expenses from his cancer and his diabetes. So two years ago, he gave an interview with this um, paper called The City Paper in Pittsburgh. And he said, sure, I'd love to stay home and build ships in a bottle and spend time with my wife in Hawaii, but I have to perform to save my life. I've been living like this for the past 15 years and I'm still here and opening my eyes each morning. Mm. It is nuts. And he goes on to detail all of the things that he needs the money for. He says, when I go on stage, I'm in pain every night. And if you want to hear a really depressing detail, he was doing it to pay for medical patches and pouches so that he could change his colostomy bag more frequently than his insurance would allow. That is the reason why this guy in his late 70s, early 80s was still performing on stage. Isn't that crazy? Am I a crazy socialist for thinking something's gone wrong here? That's an absolute disgrace. I haven't seen you this upset since (laughs) Professor Snape died. (laughs) I mean, and probably Snape had trouble with his medical bills too. Probably. Guys, where do I go with this? Where do I take this? To the polls. Right? That's That's what you do. Next time you, you wonder whether or not your vote counts, think about him. And also think about the fact that this could be us if, you know, all the social security money goes uh-huh, away. Uh-huh. We're going to have to work ourselves if. to death. Did you just say if? Yeah. <laughs> Honey, is gone already. It's poop. Just, yeah. You're like, I spent it. <laughs> kind of on the tip of this, Whoopi Goldberg recently had double pneumonia and has been absent from The View, which is why I know she was ill because I watched that every morning. Anyway, she said on The View when she returned recently that her insurance was getting in the way of her getting a certain machine that could help her get all the fluid out of her lungs. Oh, my God. And she's, like, one of the richest people ever, and she's an EGOT. That's so what like, scares me. Even yeah. someone like Whoopi Goldberg has to fight insurance when she could, like, she can buy the machine. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, the principle of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. This is wild. Because, to your point, if someone who has achieved great success and fame and presumably money in their life is still struggling with insurance, then what hope do the rest of us have? None. It's not looking good. Guys, this was a pit. I don't even think this is a political issue. I think this is just about humanity. Also, I'm eligible to become a citizen in 2020. So, Jamidra, maybe I will take my opinions to the polls. Maybe I will. Oh, you've done it now? You've done it now. Jeez. Okay. Guys, I want to talk about eggs. Please. Are we talking about frying them? or? I want to talk about a boy. Egg boy. And a dream. And an egg in his hands. This made my week. When I say the phrase egg boy, what do you guys feel? I think Gen Z is going to be all right. <laughs> Gen Z is going to be all right. And I will tell you why. For the listeners at home who are perhaps not aware who Egg Boy is, and obviously news moves fast, so by the time this is released, maybe there will be a new update with Egg Boy. Maybe he will have egged someone else. But if we just look back, this terrible thing happened, right? There was a white supremacist terrorist attack in New Zealand. It killed 49 people. It was targeted in a mosque. Mm -hmm. Everyone's reaction was, this kind of thing doesn't happen in New Zealand. And it turns out there's a reason for that reaction, because that's exactly the reason that the gunman chose 
to carry this out in New Zealand because it would be so shocking. And so when this kind of thing happens, there's always going to be some turd in the background that has something to say about it. And this particular turd, du jour, or mm. du week, I should say, was Queensland Senator Fraser Anning. So this guy decides to give an interview that lays the blame not on the gunman, but on the immigration policy of New Zealand, which, and I quote, allows Muslims to migrate to New Zealand in the first place. (sighs) So it's gross. It's awful. But wait. Enter a 17-year-old boy from Melbourne called Will Connolly. Will has a dream, Will has principles, and most importantly, he has an egg. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. (laughs) So... What he does is he approaches Queensland Senator Fraser Anning on live television, and this happens. Yes, can we just make that the soundtrack for this year? That's the sound of a raw egg hitting a bald man's head, (laughs) looped in succession, and it is absolutely glorious. You know, Will Connolly, 17 years old, he decided to speak with his fists. But the fist just happened to be holding an egg. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys saw what happened afterwards was absolutely appalling. Like the senator turned around and actually attacked the 17 year old boy. And like his goons tackled him to the ground and, you know, punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. These guys are far right activists. Like these are not nice, fluffy people. There is no misinterpretation here. And they held him in a, a chokehold until the police arrived. So I don't know what's going to be happening with this case by the time we release this episode. The Prime Minister of Australia has said that the senator should face consequences for attacking this boy. Hello. The full force of the law should be applied to Senator Anning. But we've also heard what the full force of an egg sounds like (laughs) when it hits this man's little hairless head, which I don't know about you, I could listen to that all day. Something else the Prime Minister did that was pretty awesome around this whole issue is it only took her one day to say, hey y'all, we are banning semi-automatic weapons. Oh, just We're just doing it. America, I know it's taken you um, forever to do it. And it seems like that's never going to happen. But I'm just doing it. Yep. Well, she's awesome. If you guys don't remember, we did a whole episode on women in politics. And we highlighted her because she was pregnant and went on maternity leave. She's, she's amazing. Awesome. She's amazing. She's yeah. badass. She's a boss bitch. She's not afraid of gun control. Mm-hmm. And these measures are coming in so fast. I mean, like the Antipodes have precedent here. There was the Port Arthur massacre in Australia. Immediately after that happened sweeping gun control brought into Australia. Oh, countries that learn from their mistakes. What a novel. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go too far down that road. So as I say, this stuff is all rapidly changing. Who knows what's going to happen with Egg Boy now? There's a GoFundMe that's raised a ton of money. Apparently Egg Boy, I shouldn't refer to him as Egg Boy constantly, (laughs) Will, Will Connolly is going to be using a portion of those proceedings to cover his legal fees, as I would say is right and proper, but also is donating the rest of it to the victims of the massacre. And to take us out of the episode, I've got a song that it's not related to anything in particular. It just reminds me of something really funny that happened to someone that we know that I want to share with the listeners and also remind you guys about. Okay. Are you aware of the song Shake Your Ass by (laughs) Mystical? Oh, (laughs) I am. Yeah. Show me what you're working with. I think so. I think so. So... I just have to tell this story because it's been making me laugh for weeks now and I have to get it out in a public forum. Friend of the show and Bay Curious podcast host, Olivia Allen Price, Mm -hmm. she wanted to do one of those cute little Instagram stories of her bopping in front of a gorgeous sunset in the place we were. And she wanted to do that thing that you can put a song on the Instagram story. And so the song was her like, you know, moving her hips a little bit. 
So she places the song mystical shake your ass because she wants people to see that Instagram story of her literally shaking her ass and to hear the amazing music. It's a hit on Instagram. But then what happens is her phone malfunctions. Oh no. So that the song won't stop playing and it happens specifically every time she opens the Instagram app. Wow, oh, come through. So for 24 hours Every time she forgets and idly opens the Instagram app, Mystical shouts at her. Mystical shouts at her. <laughs> whether she's chilling at home, whether she's lying in bed trying to surreptitiously look at stuff. Maybe what, you're on board, what, lying in on the grocery bar, store. In a meeting. <laughs> every time what pops out of that phone, very loud, but shake your ass by Mystical for a full 24 hours. Yes. And in this moment of time, we all need stories to cling to, little anchors like that. And any time I need a little bit of levity in my life, I think of that song and how awful it would be. <laughs> Every time I touch my phone, this song started playing very loudly. So without further ado, Mystical, take us out of this episode. Shake your ass, watch yourself. Shake your ass, tell me what you're working for. Attention on your Thanks to David Marcus, Susie Racho, and Ashley Ann Craigbaum. All original music is by Carolyn Pennypacker Ricks. If you miss us, find us on social media. I'm at Excuse My Beauty. I'm at Teacup in the Bay. And I'm at Jamitra Says. Bye. Bye.